<laughs> um, family, for this whole year, we've been in a prayer rhythm. In the mornings, we pray the Lord's Prayer together. In the midday, we pray for our Oikos maps, for people we know who are far from God. And in the evening, we've been praying prayers of gratitude. And we've been doing that every day, some of you, but for sure every week as we gather together here, right? Um, and I wanted to encourage us today through scripture, through testimony, and through prayer for us not to give up doing that, but all the more um, in these days. And one of the reasons that we just wanted to explain the Oikos map a little bit, one of the reasons that we um, pray the Oikos prayer, pray for the people we know, Oikos just meaning sphere of influence, the people in our lives, just a Greek fancy word, um, uh, is because Jesus prayed these prayers and we want to join with him in it. We're looking to be near and like Jesus and these are some of the things he prayed. John 17, he's praying for his disciples. You want to read it with me? He says, look, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, my disciples, but I want you to keep them safe from the evil one. He's talking to his father. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. He's sending us into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Here it is. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Right? So when we look at the Oikos map, we know he's not only praying for his disciples, for all those who are following him, but he's praying for those who will believe the message of the gospel through those disciples. So when we pray for our Oikos map, we're praying for our friends, our family, the people at our gym, the people who um, are our waiter, waitress, people we frequently see, the people in our lives. We're not just praying for them. We're praying for who would receive the message through them. If my neighbor came to know the Lord, then his mom, who doesn't live beside me, would maybe come to know the message. His daughter, who doesn't live with him, could maybe come to know the message. And he has a business partner. Just three people, just from one man, if he came to know the gospel. And Jesus is praying for us and for all the people we're around. And so we're joining him in those prayers when we're praying the Oikos map. But get this. I think these days are going to be critical it's November, even though I'm still trying to wear my sandals as long as possible. The holidays are upon us. Some of you may get to be around the people on your Oikos map the one time a year you get to in these coming months, right? You may get to be at social situations to see someone you know is far from God who maybe once believed but fell away, right? We might get the opportunity to be around people we don't normally see, and the people we've been praying for for the last 10 months may be face-to-face -face with us in these days. Is that going to happen for anyone? People on your Oikos map, you're going to get to see in November or December? No one, not one, one person. 
I wonder what kind of um, boldness, love, strategy, help, gentleness, faith, self-control he's going to give us in these days to make the most of the opportunities we have coming in front of us. And so I wanted us to be encouraged all the more that our prayers are powerful for his will to prevail on the earth. Our prayers are powerful for the people we know that he's given us to love who are far from him to come to know him. And so I wanted to share some of Paul's instructions quickly with us um, so we can be considering our actions in these days and be mindful um, of what potentially lies ahead for us. Is that all right? Okay, let's pray. Lord, would you fill our hearts with love? Please remove any barriers in our hearts. Please fill us with a fresh, a perseverance to continue to pray for people far from you. Would you pour out your wisdom, your help, your encouragement and endurance? And would you fill us with boldness, uh, just like your disciples continually, even though they had been with you, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They continued to ask you for boldness. And would you fill us with boldness in these days and help for the people, our loved ones? Would you have mercy? Speak to us this morning. Invigorate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Colossians 4, he's talking to the faithful people of Christ that live there. He says in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We have done that. We've been devoted to prayer every day and at least every week, right? We're devoted to praying for those far from God. Is there any other devotion the Lord's calling us to? I, I want to remind you that we ha you have access to a 24-7 prayer room, day and night access. You can sign up for an hour. In January, we're all going to pray night and day for a week long, but at any time, you can set aside time to go into that prayer room and be praying for people you know who are far from asking him for the things you need. I think it's interesting, he says, being watchful and thankful, you know? He wants us to be prepared and alert for what he's doing and to see how our prayers are taking shape, how he's answering them among us. And he wants us to treasure the people around us our prayers are going before us, and we can watch for them. Oh, man, I prayed for that. That's happening. I'm so thankful. We can also be thankful because we can watch what he's doing in us as we're praying for maybe even our enemies on our Oikos map, the people we're around, a terrible boss, an evil cousin, right? <laughs> we've, we've got enemies, right? And they might be on our Oikos map. God's preparing our hearts, and we can be watchful and thankful as change begins to happen. Are we going to be open that change could occur because of our own prayers? And then look what else he says. This is Paul. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Here's a prayer strategy for us. We can pray for God to open the door for the message to be proclaimed. 
It's a mystery that we're trying to tell people about who God is and what he's done, that God doesn't count their sins against them. You know, he doesn't count them. That's a mystery. That's an unfathomable thing, the mercy of God. And he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So this is a prayer strategy that in the days to come, as Thanksgiving is approaching, as Christmas is approaching, as parties are approaching us, can we be asking the Lord to make a way for the message of the gospel of Christ to be proclaimed, that he would open the door and that we could proclaim it clearly and boldly. You heard in my prayer time and time again, the people who were with Jesus, the people who the Holy Spirit fell upon them, constantly are asking for boldness. We do not have to be ashamed to ask for boldness. We need it. We need his help. Uh, We know that this is a cool, this is a true prayer, because every time the disciples said it, they got more boldness from the Holy Spirit. But also, even my own husband, that many of you know Dane to be an evangelist, right? Or have those things. No, this, this is a guy who's very fearful to talk to people. In his 20s, did not want to do it and wouldn't do it. You know, but he continued to pray these prayers. Lord, open the door that your message could come out. Help me to be bold and to proclaim it clearly. And he set about practicing, sharing the gospel, even though he was very afraid. And now he's been come to be known as an evangelist among us. Right? Because he prayed these prayers often, it began to change him. He's very bold among us because he continually asks for boldness. Okay, he goes on to say this. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. A lot of us, uh, there's a way that seems right or a wisdom, but is it the wisdom that comes from heaven? Are we acting wisely as we're around outsiders? Are we acting like we're secret agents? You know, I've said that before, but I can't think of a better way. Think of a secret agent, right? They're living their lives, raising their families, going to their work, but underlying it all is a mission that they're on. The life they're living is real, but it's also not as real as the mission they're on, right? They wouldn't necessarily choose to live where they've been missioned to or commissioned to. They wouldn't necessarily take up that job where they've been commissioned to fake work, right? (laughs) But their secret agent, they have an underlying mission that's the controlling force of their lives. And the same is true for us. And that's why we can live wisely as we act towards outsiders. It's very fun because we're in it with the Lord. We have an underlying mission of love and mercy that we're conveying while we're doing the normal things of life, right? We see the example of Jesus. He's taking naps, preparing food, paying his taxes. Meanwhile, he's only doing what he sees the Lord wanting him to do, right? His mission is to serve and obey God but he's living like a human in every way, right? 
I think uh, the best example is imagination celebration, right? As Shelley told me, Craig Westoff always says, he, he says, Halloween's my favorite holiday because non-believers come to my front door. <laughs> it's a win. And you know what? Dane and I have done imagination celebration for five, six years. This year, uh, we people kept telling us, people were coming from Sand Springs to come to our front yard carnival. And they said, this is the highlight. People in our neighborhood, this is the highlight of their Halloween. They know what road we're down, and they want to get to the carnival. Can you imagine? We're the highlight of everyone's Halloween in our neighborhood. Like the hoags, they're known for Halloween. That's hilarious, right? That, that could not encapsulate more. Making the most of every opportunity. You know who, I mean, if I even talk about this, I might cry. But the book of Daniel, you guys want to be invigorated towards this? Towards living wisely in the way you act towards outsiders? Making the most of every opportunity? Read Daniel, right? The Lord gives Judah into King Nebuchadnezzar's hand. The Lord does it. Nebuchadnezzar is far from God and steeped in worshiping himself and idols. Daniel and his three Israelite friends comes into their slave service. You are now a part of us. You have to learn our customs. You have to do. They're far from God in every way. You know? And it says over and over again, Daniel act wisely and with tact. When they said, you're going to have to eat from the king's table, he's like, I can't. He committed that he wouldn't defile himself, that he was still going to serve God and his rules. He asked permission from the leading official and said, can I not eat this? It's, it, violates, it violates what God said to me. He's like, dude, I want to help you but I'm going to get killed if you look worse than everyone else. And Daniel, in wisdom, negotiated with that official and said, if in 10 days I don't look better, then we'll renegotiate. But see if I don't, you know? He asked permission of the people who were oppressing him. He acted wisely. And because of it, it saved many people. And you know, twice in Daniel, because of his wisdom... A place and a kingdom that was far from God wrote decrees, King Darius and King Nebuchadnezzar. They wrote decrees to all the nations and people of every language on the earth that Daniel's God was the true God and he was to be respected and revered. From one guy's wisdom and tact, Every nation was written a decree in every single language that God was the true God. This is a powerful thing to live in this way. The other thing he writes about is let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you can know how to answer everyone. Can we pause and, and think, what is it like to have a conversation that's full of grace? What would it be look like this Thanksgiving to have a conversation full of grace? Can you think of one that went badly? What would a, a gracious response have been? 
when someone has a conversation filled with grace, it's noteworthy. It's, it's astounding. I wonder what it could look like in your families and in your holidays this year to be filled with grace in your conversations, to be seasoned with salt, right? Keith Wheeler talked about this a while ago. But what is it about french fries that you just want more? And after you finish the whole thing, you want more because it's the perfect blend of salt, right? How could our conversations be salty? Not in a mean way. Why is salty like a terrible word? Like, But in an enticing way, you know? A way of you didn't quite finish your sentence. Wait, what were you saying about that? You know? Let's just pause for a moment. The Lord may want to talk to us about how things in our lives that may need to be removed in order to talk in a gracious way in our conversations. Is there anything we're holding on to very tightly more than what the Lord's asking of us, an ideology maybe, that might hinder us being full of grace, seasoned with salt in our combos? Just look, just look quickly at James with me. It's, he says, hey, you who are wise and understanding, you get it? Show it by your good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Right? If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life by doing good works with humility that come from wisdom. I wonder what that could look like in your life, to live an honorable life, doing good works that come from being humble. And he goes on to to tell us what the wisdom that comes from heaven is. There's a wisdom that the world has, and then there's wisdom that comes from heaven. Two different things. And we might be infiltrated or corrupted by the wisdom of this age, but this is the wisdom that comes from heaven. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. And then it's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. In other versions, it says, be considerate and submissive. It is full of mercy, we sang about that today, and the fruit of good deeds, it shows no favoritism, it's impartial, and it's always sincere. That's what James says that mercy is, and there's things that can hinder us from that kind of wisdom. One time my mom, when I was growing up, she is the sweetest, cutest honey mama there is, like blondie cutie. Uh... (laughs) You now really get the picture, right? (laughs) Um, Very, you know, soft-spoken. She is gentle and sweet. And, um, but she began to listen to talk radio regularly. And what began to form in her was that she was fearful, aggravated, angry, and not impartial. And it became opposite mom. And my dad noticed this and said, hey, can I ask you not to listen to this radio program anymore because it's forming you? You know? 
And sometimes she was thinking it was wise to listen to this, but it, it wasn't producing the wisdom that comes from heaven. It was producing anger, fear, irritability, and not being impartial. And definitely not gentle, right? And so I wonder what are the things that we're listening to to be wise. Even news, we can say that's a wise thing to do. But what is it forming in us? How, how, what's the length that the Lord's asking us to really go? Because he's wanting to form true wisdom in us and help us to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. Another thing it says in James, you know, is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If we're talking a lot, it's hard to be considerate. We won't know what to consider because someone else hasn't been talking, right? As we go into the holidays, as we're around people who are far from God, as we're around our families, what's the Lord asking us to do to remain wise, to put into action the prayers we've been praying for our families. I want to invite some of our um, church family to come up and share um, some quick testimonies of the interactions they've been getting to have with the people on their Oikos maps. And after each person shares briefly, we'll just pray afresh for the people on our Oikos maps, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll direct us. But uh, Alyssa, would you come up? Our beloved Alyssa. Tell us what's happening. Can you read? Yes, guys, I'm buzzing with excitement um, with all that the Holy Spirit's doing. So I'm in the Discipleship Map Foundations class this fall with the Shepherds and with Anna, and we recently acknowledged how important it is to share the gospel in our context in ways that we're actually speaking and how we would relate to people while still holding on to the truth of the gospel story and message. Several people on my Oikos map the last couple of years uh, are those that I'm connected to through my graduate program. And some of these peers grew up in the church and have walked away with deep hurt and are now living lives of great difference from the one that we follow as Jesus followers. When we wrote our personal tellings of the gospel, mine was pretty different as I was thinking about how to share it uh, with these peers who are you know, highly academic folks in my program who've chosen to walk away from the Christian religion. So Christianese is not going to fly. Uh, this semester, I was invited to co-write and present with two of these uh, peers on my map on the topic of creating communities of difference together based on what my professors had noticed about our interactions. During one of our collaboration meetings with these two individuals, one of them asked me how I could be so peaceful all the time. I used this opportunity to tell the truth of the gospel in my own life, and I got to share my reality is based on the truth and the identity that I have in Jesus and how I get to be a non-anxious presence because of his strength instead of my own. The freedom that living out this identity brings me is something that I got to share instead of living as a reaction to what's happening around me. 
When the three of us transitioned to class right after this meeting, it was then brought up again by the peer as she continued to ask questions about my presence. I was then able to share with my entire class about the truth I found in Jesus, who shapes my reality, brings me out of my brokenness so that I can freely be and become the person that I was made to be. Although I didn't get to yet see that moment of acceptance where Jesus becomes their Lord and Savior, I really believe that these questions from my peers come from deep spaces of longing in their hearts and minds as they seek the truth and want to be known and loved. They recognize it when they see it. They just couldn't identify it. I continue to believe for their transformation as they uh, seek truth, and I'm praying that they come to acknowledge that Jesus is the truth as a person who defines their reality. I'm coming to realize that I may not get to see that moment of acceptance and surrender, but I get to rejoice in the simple obedience that plants or waters those seeds in their hearts and lives. And just this week, since I wrote this, I've gotten several texts from one of these friends who is wanting to know more about what it is that I keep sharing about discernment and wisdom from the Spirit. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Isn't that wonderful? Alyssa told me she had pray- she works at a Christian school. She's a faithful... These are some of the only people that she's around that are far from God. And she had specifically prayed to be around people like that. You know, in our jobs, we get paid to be around people who don't know God. Isn't that amazing to tell people the truth about who he is and what he's done? Let's just pray now. If we have coworkers, if we have colleagues, if we have peers who are far from God or people in our lives who had received the message when they were young and have abandoned it for the way of this world, can we pray for those people on your maps or anyone who comes to mind? We'll just pray for that type of people in our life. Christina, will you come up and share? Um, I just want to introduce myself. Um, I'm Tim and Anime Cameron's daughter. Second, second born out of the five. So. Um, I've been praying for our next door um, neighbor, um, a husband and wife and daughter. Um, the mom is an atheist, and the dad knows about God, but he doesn't know where, I don't know where he stands in his relationship with God. In the past, I've noticed much bitterness towards God and a lot of anger. Um, his first wife and his only son were killed in an accident. And... Um, growing um, the past five to six years, um, the daughter, um, the girl, um, and my daughter were really close. They're like just one day apart in their age. Um, the girl used to come over almost every day and play with Cameron, and Cameron would tell her about Jesus. <laughs> 
And the girls would tell her, tell Cameron that her mother told her not to believe in God. And then the father even told me to tell my daughter not to, um, tell my daughter to quit proselytizing to her. So I told Cameron, we just need to pray for them. Um, the father um, in the past had even rejected prayer for me and James. And so um, the father and the daughter don't live um, next to us anymore, and that's a long story. The mother is still there, so we, we're continuing to pray. But um, the father, um, even just a couple years ago, I was verbally persecuted by him. Just this outburst of cussing me out, cursing me, and and so we have been praying for them. And just not too long ago, the father he comes back and forth once in a while, so I might see him in the yard or see his car there, and I can't look at you know. But all I can do is just look at him and smile. I can't get near him and. The father was next door one day, and my husband James went over and talked to him, and he said that his um, daughter has been going to church. And so that just gives me real encouragement that um, the Lord is beginning to um, work in those people. And the Lord is begin. I just see the Lord is beginning to soften his heart. And for me personally, it's been really hard praying for him because I see him as an enemy. But the Lord said, like last week in what Roger shared, that we need to pray for our enemies. You know, the Lord died for them. So I have. The Lord is working, and that encourages me just to keep on praying for that father and daughter and mother. Isn't that wild? Even a man who verbally abused Christina, their enemies, their next-door neighbor, were against him. Do not talk to my daughter about God. Don't. We are against God. Is beginning, is, he's saying, my daughter is beginning to go to church after years of praying for this family. Could we pause now and pray for any, maybe your neighbors, but any enemies you have that are far from God? Let's just pray for them. Ryan, do you want to share your story? Hi, everyone. I, I First of all, I work for a church and a missions organization that cares for church leaders, so I have to work really hard to make sure I'm around non-believers every once in a while. Um, which is, I think, just a good reminder for all of us that we need to make sure that's happening. Um, one of the people on my Oikos map is a 15-year-old neighbor kid who lives down the street and has been mowing my yard for the last three years. I really don't need him to, um, but it creates a relationship. And, um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, 
And I think I would like, I live in a pretty rough neighborhood. And so I think I would give this family money, but they wouldn't accept it. And so this way I get to, um, so this family's pretty unchurched. And throughout the years, this kid, we've got to have quite a few porch conversations and I've even got to pray for him a couple times. But recently something else happened that made me realize how much the Lord loves working behind the scenes when we're praying for someone. Um, he came running to my house and was banging on my door. And he always normally uses the um, doorbell. So I knew something was wrong. I let him in. He comes sit down. He's just angry and seething. And I find out that um, he had been home alone with his grandma, who has dementia. And so sometimes she just goes off and was just yelling at him and cussing him out. And so now he's comes to my house to, like, um, find some peace, hopefully. So... And then he's, as he, he is then, of course, like, releasing his anger and using a lot of cuss words, as he usually does, which is kind of good for me to get me out of that kind of, like, judgmental thing about that one weird sin that we get a little bit overzealous about in the church. Um, <laughs> but it was just this beautiful moment where I just got to, like, practice what Craig Westhoff has taught us about doing breathing exercises. Um, with him, which he totally did, and he calmed down, and we got to pray, and then he called his stepdad, who came directly there, and his stepdad talked to me and was like, thank you so much for um, doing this. I've actually told him that you're a safe house if anything happens. Right? And he said, I know you've prayed with him before, and I, I know you've, like, um, just been really good to him. And I was like, I didn't know unchurched people would think that praying was a good thing, <laughs> you know? Um, it was really beautiful. And then um, two weeks later, the dad actually came to my house um, and, sa and said, hey, would it be okay if I just sat on your front porch for a little while? I've just been kind of dealing with some angry anger. I've been on a walk, and your, your front porch is just so peaceful. So I'm just so grateful how little we have to do sometimes, and just his presence in my house is what's reaching out to these people. While Justin comes up, let's just pray um, for maybe it's your neighbors again, but maybe it's someone you prayed for when they were in distress and you haven't really seen them since or just want to keep praying for them that they, um, they learn about who God is. Let's just pray for them. Justin's going to share. Um, oh, sorry. Um, getting emotional already. Um, I, uh, for those of you who don't know, my family and I spent a few years in the Middle East prior to 2019 with uh, Drew and Mary Caldwell, who have been here. So I thought I'd give you a little context to this story. So we moved back. We put our son into a soccer program. And um, one of the first guys I meet is like, you know, we're just getting to know each other. He's like, oh, you have to spend some time in the Middle East, too. And I'm like, oh, 
Interesting. Okay. He's like, yeah, I was a contractor with the Defense Department. And I'm like, okay. You were either really, you were like helping the U.S. government by building things and stuff, or you were probably doing some, you know, pretty unsavory deeds there. So um, I go, I go have lunch with them, and we're just getting to know each other. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was in the Middle East. I worked at a a Baptist school that was mostly Muslim, and I would, you know, share with Muslims about Jesus. That's why my family moved there. My wife is working with refugees, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, like, you know, I get it. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, look, I was in eastern Uganda, you know, with the U.S. government, and every time I was assigned a mission, I, you know, I'd have somebody asking me what I was doing there, and every time I'd say, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm building a church for the you know, Baptist ministry of the U.S., or I'm building, a, you know, this thing for that. He's like, so I get it. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, like, you're, you're like me. And I'm like, well, he's like, I understand. Like, that's my alibi, too. Like, when I'm on a mission for the U.S. government, like, my alibi is that I'm working for a church. So, so that's kind of my context for this guy. Anyways, so... So as I get to know this guy, I realize that, one, the fact that he thinks I'm a spy has really endeared him to me. <laughs> and, and the other thing is that if someone thinks you're a spy, there is nothing you can say to convince them otherwise. Because that's what a spy would say. So... So, so this is like, so for this guy, this is like totally the Ephesians 2.10 of like the Lord preparing someone for you because this guy is clearly, I was like, man, I mean, you think I'm a spy? Whatever, like, let's just move on. Anyways, so, so I get to know this guy and his, you know, as a contractor for the Defense Department, he's not eligible for any kind of PTSD, anything. So all the stuff he experienced over there, he's got no counseling or anything that's like helping him process through that. On top of that, his father has this history of laundering money through a Christian ministry. So I'm, like, getting to know this guy, and I'm like, Lord, like, wow. Like, this guy has done things that I can't imagine. Um, For some reason, he thinks I'm a spy. He's got a horrible view of the church. I'm like, Jesus. I was like, like, (laughs) there's... So, so anyways, time goes on. I mean, this is three years ago, maybe four years ago. Um, and we've talked about Jesus the last four years. I've prayed for him. Uh, really kind of went after him a few times, too. Like, felt the Lord, like, stir my heart to kind of like, look, man, if you don't, like, repent, like, there is no other option for you. And, and, and over time, and, and we've, I've done it in a way that's been, you know, what I felt is gracious in the sense that we still have a relationship. I didn't cut things off with him. Um, but... But when I sent this in, we, had, we were running. We typically run and talk while our sons were at soccer practice. And, um, and man, he has, he, I was just kind of, again, just sharing with him, kind of post this Keith Wheeler talk. I was like, Lord, give me some salty words. And, um, and as I was running with him and talking with him, sharing my heart of like, you have got to come to Jesus. I was like, there is no counselor that is going to bring you out of the despair that you've seen, and there is no, there is no scientific perspective that is going to get you and explain this world to you anything else other than Jesus. And he looks at me and he goes, I am longing 
for a higher power. And, and that next day, he's at work, and I guess, like, gets into a similar conversation. He works for a sheriff's department now. Gets into a similar conversation with a guy there. And so he's, he's not across the finish line, but, but I've just, like, for those of you that have people that are like, man, no way. Like, the person is too far gone. They're too jaded. They're too whatever. Like, no. Like, the Lord is the Lord of his creation. And he has the hearts of man in the palm of his hand. So, yeah, that's it. Brooke, could you come up? There, there's going to be social situations we're in, Christmas parties we're in, in the next couple months. It may not be soccer games, but we're going to meet people. This is a three-year relationship that Justin's been cultivating with this guy who really needed a friend, another secret agent friend. <laughs> but could, could we pray for the people we might bump into in these holidays? Could we pray for the people that are friends with our kid, their uh, fellow parents among us um, that are far from God, that need a touch from God? They need to run into his arms. Can we pray for him, them? Um, Brooke had this song being um, cultivated in her heart, a song from long ago. Um, And I think it's a good prayerful way for us to end today. Um, You know, my um, mom just turned 70 in June. And you know what her siblings said to her at her birthday separately as they were honoring her life? When she was 20, my mom heard the gospel in college. She came home and told them that they could know God. They'd been going to church their whole lives. They never knew they could know God and that he would forgive them of all their sins. And on my mom's birthday, my uncle said, "Um, thank you so much for telling me the truth that all my sins are washed away. And this guy, my uncle, has been living for the Lord for 50 years because of my mom's witness and testimony. And her sister shared the same thing in her card. Thank you so much that you came and told me the truth about who God was, that I could know him and that my sins would be washed away and I could live with him forever. They thanked her and honored her because that was the work of her life. My uncle said, you, this was the work that had been assigned to you. I'm your brother and you told me the truth. So let's just be filled with be filled with this vibe, this compassion of the Lord, the strength that he gives us as we prayerfully hear this song and, and pray with the Lord.
together to close today and as we do I wonder what the Lord has for us in the next couple months the specific people that he loves that we're going to get to be around what's he about to do what are all these years of prayers these 10 months of prayers amounting to the Lord is wanting his children and he wants to partner with us he's the one doing the heavy lifting he's the one that convicts the world of sin the one that enables us to say Jesus is Lord we can rely on him we can put this on him and pray for the people in our lives all right let's agree together Lord I pray for the people in my life who are far from you deliver them from the evil one bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples in Jesus name amen Bless you, ambassadors, secret agents, spies even.